This is not a dream. You are listening to the Nelson Podcast Network. This is not a dream. This is Aiden's Revisited. This is not a dream. With your host, Trey Harris. This is not a dream. 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 They have no need of your services. Who are you to question the word of God's servants? Here at the Awesome Podcast Network to listen to another fresh new episode of 80s Revisited. If you were good in your previous life, that's what happens. If you're bad, you don't get to listen to us. So we're your eternal reward for being a good person and just general in general not being a jackass. As always, oh, go ahead. What a gift. I like to think so. But anyway, as always, everybody, I'm your host, Trey Harris. With me, as always, my loyal producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. Special hello to our Facebook Live viewers. We're live again here, you know, with a a special sneak preview of the episode before it goes live. Of course, they don't get all the fun little things that y'all get on the podcast, like the you get to hear the intro and sound effects and any other thing Jesse throws in there. But nevertheless, they get to see it early, so, you know, no need to kick yourself, but, you know, you're missing the party. (laughs) <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, Ups and downs. Our, our third, oh yeah, our third episode, excuse me, of our Halloween Horror Month 2016, going over some of the, you know, we kind of lovingly referred to them as the B-list uh, horror franchises of the 80s, uh, although this one in particular, Phantasm, started in the 70s, uh, but, you know, the first one in the 80s, the only one in the 80s actually, Phantasm 2, uh, released July 8th, 1988. IMDb says it's about a 6.5. Rotten Tomatoes, critics say 38%. Uh, 58% audience. Estimated $3 million budget. Opened at 3, so it made its budget back in the opening weekend. Domestically went on to make 7.2. Couldn't find any worldwide or rental information. And a special thing for our Facebook Live viewers as well, they get to see me reading it off my phone because I didn't print out the sheets. So <laughs> we'll see how it works. Maybe I'll do this from now on, but... Uh, anyway, we're so going green. Yeah, we're, we're That's all 80s revisited is progressive. We're reducing our carbon footprint. Yeah, save a tree. You'd like to be a part of the solution, not, not the, the problem. problem. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Phantasm Two, like the first one, was directed by Donna Cascarelli. Uh, like I mentioned, in Phantasm One through Four, also the classic and underrated Bubba Hotep. And you might be saying, I know that name. That's right, because he's a veteran of the podcast. Because he also directed the Mark Singer classic, The Beastmaster. Uh, also written by Donnie C. He also wrote Phantasm 1 through 5, Beastmaster 1 through 3, Bubba Hotep as well. And I didn't know this, but he also wrote John Dies at the End, which is on Netflix, which I still haven't watched, but heard it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, have you seen it? Mm-mm. Okay. No, I haven't. I've heard it's, it's good, worth watching, I should say, but can't say for sure. So, if you know, let me know. Uh, but anyway, starring, in my opinion, the great Reggie Bannister as Reggie. It was also in, as I typed it, Phantasms 1 through 5, but Phantasm 1 through 5. And also he had a bit role as the uh, nursing home manager in Bubba Hotep. Uh, 
Don Cascarelli, like they keep use the same people, obviously. Although he didn't use the same character in this one as uh, as the role in the role of Mike, he used a gentleman by the name of James Legro or Legros, whatever you, however he pronounces it. He was also in Point Break and Enemy at the State. He's still working. This was actually his first film, uh, but uh, the original Mike, I forget, a guy named Michael something. I have it in my notes later on. Uh, let me, I'm gonna have to bring it up again anyway, so I might as well find it now. Sliding through my notes. Since I can't just scan it with a shoot. See, this live is the one downside. Live podcasting, you guys. Live podcasting. I can't find it, but it's somewhere on here. We'll get to it. But anyway, yep. So uh, that's the only kind of non-returning main character. Uh, let's see. Paula Irving was Liz. She was also in Phantasm 3 and a few episodes of Santa Barbara. Uh, badass name Kenneth Tigar was Father Myers. You might recognize him, however, from Lethal Weapon 2 and 3. He was a Russian general in Avengers. And also in the Richard Gere uh, adaptation of John Grissom novel. No, wait. That one. John Grissom, never mind. Primal Fear. Ed Norton, that's, that's that movie where he was, uh, yeah. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. You know what that movie's about. Uh, Samantha Phillips was Alchemy. She did a lot of adult vids, including the Bear Winch Project. Mm. So uh, you've seen a whole lot of her in some other things, most likely, if you're a red-blooded American male. <laughs> and the, the true star of the Phantasm series, aside from Reggie and Mike, Angus Grimm as the tall man. Phantasm 1 through 5. A uh, lot of little other bit part things, but uh, him and he's he's fantastic in these films. He's a a great presence, good voice, and he passed away not too long ago, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, two sentence synopsis: Reeling from the surreal events of Phantasm One, Mike and Reggie continue to hunt for the Tall Man. They team up with two ladies. Good thing the Tall Man brought three balls. So, yeah. <laughs> pardon the bad pun I made, but that's all. Like, I was like, how can I like tie this together without like. Yeah, I don't know, the balls. This, yeah, because there's three balls in it. So, yep. but anyway, uh, Jesse, have you ever seen a Phantasm film? Yes, and I was very young, and I remember really liking it. I guess I just like the floating balls. <laughs> like that's a really? cool thing. I can arrange for some more floating yeah. balls to come your way. <laughs> once like we get how off they of floated in front of my face, <laughs> just gently taunting me. Yeah, gentle caress. Uh, was it never it, scared me though. Yeah, me I mean, for some I, reason. Uh, do you remember which one it was by chance, or what happened in it? Or I don't recall. I, me- I remember one like went into the guy's crotch. Was that the first one? I believe. I think uh, the first one had the guy and like came out of his. Oh know, no, that's that, that's this one. Oh, that's this one. It goes through okay, his back. Correct. Yeah, that's the. Oh, it goes through his back. That's okay. the gold ball. Yeah, yeah. The, the aforementioned, <laughs> or what they called on the set, the Rambo ball, because it did everything. Had a laser beam, busted through doors. Drilled through people's backs and came out their mouth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, but, cool. Then yeah, I've so you have this. you have seen this one. So <laughs> some things so might long. jog your memory. I remember enjoying it. <laughs> uh, well, I saw this this movie thanks to my uh, <coughs> aunt, who uh, is a terrible person, just in general. Uh, ben says the Bear Winch Project. Hopefully, that's from the '80s. So you can revisit it. I don't know. I have to look it up on IMDb. Yeah. To see uh, if we ever have a porn month on here. <laughs> That might that might reduce our viewership from I don't four think to they show these two. on IMDb. No, two thousand, oh, ah, two thousand. Sorry, my friend, but there there is a, there is a part two, uh, scared topless, and scared a three, topless. the nymphs of Mystery Mountain, all made two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two. So two thousands revisited, or the aughts revisited, whatever they call it. It's only rated R. Hmm, that soft core stuff with no penetration. Yeah, not for worth s- your time. Four sorority girls with large breasts <laughs> hike into the woods with their guide Lunk. <laughs> okay, two point nine on IMDb. So uh, yeah, yeah, there's there there, if, there's better things to watch than that, I believe. But uh, Phantasm two. <laughs> wait, what was the demographics on the IMDb? It was like eight percent. Which wait, is, go to females. Give it a two. 
2.1 males. Females marginal. under 18 at Give it 10? a 10. Oh, one vote. One vote, yeah. <laughs> one girl discovering her sexuality under age 18 <laughs> thought this, was, this awakened her sexuality. <laughs> For whatever team she's playing for, this film did it because she gave it a 10. Made me feel funny. Or maybe she's the daughter of one of the actresses or actors. Even so. the male under 18 voted. 1.0. <laughs> it's not even that good. Could not get off. Because they bought one it. Star. They rented it or bought it for like titties yeah. or whatever. And then they were severely disappointed and Rated gave it a R. one. So yeah, we won't speak of that anymore. But uh, Phantasm 2, uh, my aunt rented it from the video store. I remember watching it at my grandparents' house and... <laughs> This was released in 88, so I was around 8 years old, roughly maybe 9, 10 when it came out on uh, video. This movie, like, creeped me out. Like, as an 8-year-old, 9-year-old, whatever it was, I was creeped out by this film, mainly for wow, two parts. Really? Mm. The first part was uh, early in the film where they go down to the basement of the morgue. And I, I never, I'd never seen Phantasm 1 either, so I had no clue what this was. I'm just a 9-year-old kid sitting there like, what is this? They go yeah. into the basement, the chick's got the cloak on, and it's, oh, it's that girl from earlier. And then this bizarre ghouly looking thing comes out of her back which mm. great I mean all, this movie has great practical effects they still hold up watching, watching it in high def it's still gross uh, we'll get to the other part that's gross later but uh, this ghouly looking centipede thing comes out of her back and it's it's still it's still like pretty it's silly it's silly but still creepy it's that creepy silly uh, kind of thing uh, that part terrified me and then just the balls hitting people in the head <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, stabbing them in the head and then drilling into their forehead and the guy screaming, the blood shooting everywhere. Uh, and then later on, like you mentioned, Jesse, the Rambo ball busting through the door, hitting the dude in the back, <laughs> sticking in his back, drill bits drilling, come out and it yeah. drills all the way through him, yeah. falls into a corner, they pull him over and it's sitting in his mouth. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> like, and as an eight-year-old, I was like, that's, oh, that's, that's so weird. Like, that's terrifying. Like, I hope, I don't ever want that to happen to me. It never gave me nightmares, but it creeped me out. Like towards like, okay, that's kind of I don't like that. I don't like wow. that. Wow, uh, I'm no. I was never a gore guy either. You know, I didn't care for gore, and for some reason that I was like, oh, that's cool. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely cool. Like uh, it's, uh, but then as a kid, but then the great thing about this sequel, if you've never seen a Phantasm movie, this is probably the one to see, simply because it is to. Let me give it to you this way, and Ben will appreciate this because he's a big Evil Dead fan. Phantasm Two is to Evil is to Phantasm One what Evil Dead Two is to Evil Dead One, oh. in that bigger, bloodier, more action-packed sequel, to where it's it's the first one is very surreal, like you don't know what's real, what's a dream, and it's exceptionally low budget mm-hmm. in the first Phantasm. Still, I think that's an enjoyable film. I, I still enjoy it. I've I've been working my way through all the Phantasms. Didn't get to see, before we recorded this one, uh, the brand new one that came out earlier this year, Ravager, which is actually Angus Grimm's last uh, film, actually. Uh, I think it came in something else, but it's basically his last big role for a film. Sorry, I don't mean to be a slacker, John. Uh, again, communicate with our <laughs> Facebook Live people who are lucky enough to be in the audience yeah. uh, of this. But, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, Phantasm, we'll get into the franchise later, but this one... Is it's still fun? It's an it's it's really a, it's an action horror. It's got its comedic elements, which the first one does, as well. But then when it gets to part three, this series really goes into that, for lack of a better way to describe it, that Don Coscarelli kind of stuff to where it's he has that horror aspect, but he maintains the goofiness in a sense. And this is what I, this is the thing that really kind of struck me when I was watching this is Don Cos- Sam Raimi. It, like the Sam Raimi back in Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, and some of his early, before he got big budget Hollywood-type stuff, was so different from what he makes now. 
with the exception of Drag Me to Hell, which had the big budget Sam Raimi, but also had some of those classic Raimi touches with the silliness, like the goat talking and other stuff like that. That's just like, okay, got it. Uh, whereas Don Coscarelli, like he's remained pretty much in that B level. I think he's very creative. He, I mean, he, he's created the Beastmaster and the Phantasm franchises. Mm-hmm. Love him or hate him. Uh, but he's kind of, he, he, he stayed, like he, you can tell you're watching something that he's doing because of, it's got some great ideas, it's got some cool imagery, but then it's got that, that, that camp factor. But it's not, it doesn't go, Phantasm 3 go, and 4 kind of go, excuse me, 3 especially goes really campy. But it's still enjoyable and fun, because I mean, when your pro- when your antagonist is Angus Grimm as a tall man, he's still like menacing and like you're scary, even though you don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> but then you got Reggie Bannister, Reggie the Ice Cream Man, with his you know Ash has his sawed-off shotgun and chainsaw hand. Reggie has his two shotguns taped together with duct tape with a flashlight, uh, and then sawed off to look you know to make a single weapon. You know, so it's 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 got that cool factor to it. And look at him, <laughs> that's your hero. Yeah. Hulk Hogan haircut, but he's great. Like, like I, I love this character. He's silly, but he, he's loyal. He's a loyal friend, but it's 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 just great. It's that character is fantastic uh, in this uh, in the Phantasm franchise. Uh, but staying on track with two, as a kid, absolutely terrifying. Uh, uh, terrifying is too strong of a word. It did it didn't scare me. It creeped me out. Like I've I've never seen visuals like this before at this mm-hmm. point. Like you know, the thing coming out of her back, the balls flying through the air, she's hitting people in the head and drilling through their whole their heads. You know, I've seen Jason and Freddie hack people up, you know, in mostly comedic natures. Uh, later, Ben. Good seeing you. Talk to you later. I know we had to go to work because we started a little later. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, oh, the F- Phantasm Two, the full movie's on uh, YouTube, by the way, if anybody needs to catch it. Uh, but anyway, uh, revisiting Phantasm. As, as a kid, bottom line, as a kid, I loved it. I had like, I had like, there's moments in this film that are, for lack of a better word, drilled into my mind <laughs> uh, because of the imagery seeing at a young age. Fantastic, fantastic visuals and like ideas in this film. But watching it as an adult, revisiting as we do on the podcast, I still enjoyed it, but I understand why a lot of people don't like this franchise. It is not... Like, it's, it's, I enjoy it personally, but I understand, you know, it's not in the same league as a Nightmare or a, even a Hellraiser franchise or a Child's Play or uh, any of those big ones. Uh, and you'll get, you'll see that when we talk about the franchise and the end segment that we're doing this year for Halloween Horror, because it's, you know, some people can't appreciate, don't appreciate the, the mixture of horror and camp. It usually has to be all of one. Or like you go into it knowing it's camp. Like all my darkness, you know it's campy. Mm-hmm. You you knew you know, like you know that that's where it was going. But it's also a progression. It's an evolution of it going from Evil Dead One, which was horror, Evil Dead Two, which like horror camp, and then Army Darkness is camp. It's straight up camp. But it is fantastically well done camp. I see you smiling at this yeah. childhood memory, Jesse, <laughs> watching the ball <laughs> drill into the guy's back. Yeah. Pretty, pretty terrible way to die, too. I mean, that's just <laughs> brutal. Uh, but yeah, uh, revisiting Phantasm 2, like, if you've never seen them, I think this is the one to watch. Again, I haven't seen the newest one, Ravager, but I mean, they all pick up right where the previous one leaves off, which I love. I always love that in movies. The video is freezing up on Facebook. Sorry about that, John. It's still streaming on our end. Uh, uh, the knows? connection is weak. Well, that makes sense. Sorry. Just keep listening. That's, yeah. 
It's the full podcast experience. <laughs> it's <a> full podcast. <laughs> You're not, I mean, he's just talking. Yeah. He's not doing anything special. Yeah, just, just listen to the sound <laughs> of my voice. Uh, I'm not that pretty. I'm, uh, you know, I didn't doll myself up for this one. I'll have to be more mindful of my appearance for future episodes uh, when we do live. But anyway... He's still here. Excellent. But uh, if you again, if you're re, you know, if you haven't seen the Phantasm, this I, th- I think this is the one to watch. Unless you want to start at the beginning, which by all means I recommend to watch all the franchise. Yeah. Uh, it's in my if if unless you're one of those snobs where you can't appreciate a bad movie, and some people can't. I understand that completely. But you know these <laughs> aren't this you know don't expect a Carpenter S type film from this. Uh, it's but it's still so damn enjoyable. Personally, I like it. Uh, the effects, I think, hold up for the most part. I mean, of course, you know, when you're watching it in high def, the puppets look more fake. You yeah. see some scenes sometimes. You can tell that when the ball's sticking in their heads, and Facebook Live has the advantage of seeing this, but they're not in the forehead. They're on the side. The appliances are on the side of the forehead. Mm. You know, so, uh, you know, mm. you, you see the flaws in it. But, I mean, hey, Phantasm Two has a chainsaw fight. You know, uh. and we're watching it now. It's great. It's fantastic. It's Reggie versus a guy, you know, the villain from My Bloody Valentine, basically with a chainsaw. And what we're watching right now, we're in the chainsaw fight. Watch this. <laughs> see, that, uh, you know, uh, no, nobody can see that. I'm a Facebook comedic. live thing. Comedic, but yeah, yeah, it has those touches in it. Uh, but it, it's still a, at least one and two are a good, well, one's, you know, you don't know what's going on because it's so serene. You don't know what to believe or anything in, two, in one. But then, you know, 2 is an 80s movie. It's an 80s sequel. Uh, more guns, more explosions, more blood, you know, more action. And that's that's the way it goes for it. But uh, Phantasm 2 is great. Like, I, I, I per- it's my favorite one. Haven't seen Ravager, <laughs> but 2 is just, it's great. It, it's got that Evil Dead vibe, which, you know, not, they're, they're two different franchises. But if you like, if you appreciate the Evil Dead movies for what they are, I think you'll like Phantasm. Especially two, because it's it's in, it's made in '88. It's in the shadow of Evil Dead Two, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So, and in fact, there's a Sam Raimi reference in the film. Which, speaking of the trivia, after I unlock my phone so I can read my notes, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, actually, funny enough, Brad Pitt auditioned for the role of Mike. Obviously, didn't get it, mm. but he did audition for it. I thought this was pretty interesting. Phantasm 2, at a $3 million budget, was the lowest budgeted film that Universal produced in the 80s. So the lowest budget they did was only $3 million, which is in 80s dollars is more like, you know, 4 or $5 million, which is still a good chunk of change. I mean, again, remember, Hellraiser was made for $1 million last week's film. And look how that looked, aside from the end. Uh, although, the, although the $3 million budget for this film was 10 times larger than that of the original. So $300,000 to $3 million, and this was also the had the biggest budget of any of the Phantasms, period. Now, I don't know if this includes the new one, because I haven't seen it yet, so I, I didn't look anything up on it yet because I don't want to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. So as far as I know, that might change. But nevertheless, you can see that they had a bigger budget in this one, especially if you're watching these in sequential order, because the effects in the first one, they work for what you're seeing. And you, and, and one, one thing like I, I love about Don Coscarelli is you can tell that he had a low budget, but he worked it. He worked that low budget for what you see on the screen. And again, Hellraiser, a million. Phantasm 1, 300,000. This one, 3 million. But you can see where the budget went in this one. A lot of uh, animatronic type stuff. Uh, the, the effects are kicked way up with the, uh, the spheres. So you definitely, you could, he knows how to use a budget. Unlike, I think, the director of Child's Play because I think they just got the wrong people to make the puppets for that film because that's probably where the whole budget went. 
because it definitely didn't go to the actors. <laughs> uh, but that's uh, we talked about that on that episode, so look up that one if you missed it. Uh, Don Coscarelli revealed that some of the elements of this film were influenced by Stephen King. Always got to give a shout-out to Stephen King. Remember last year's Halloween Horror? But uh, specifically, a few aspects of the novel, novel Salem's Lot in particular. Uh, the small part of it at the end when the characters go out on the road chasing down vampires gave him the road movie idea of Mike and Reggie chasing the tall man, which is the basis and the starting point for this one. Uh, and this was hilarious to me because my wife actually picked it, this up. Uh, one of the headstones in the film has the name Alex Murphy on it. And she's like, isn't that Robocop? Yes, she was. I just smile with pride. I said, yes, baby. That sure is. <laughs> but that was intentional. That was an actual in-joke in the film. Uh, Robocop had come out a year before. Uh, I thought this was pretty cool, too. Uh, Reggie Bannister did all of his own stunt work in the film, except one stunt, which we just watched, Jesse. It's the scene where he has to jump over a running chainsaw, which they would uh. not let him do. And that would be the one I'd be a little apprehensive about as well, just for the sake of it. All, all, my, all my friends, all, all, all our male listeners know what we're talking about. And female, <laughs> too, because it would hurt regardless. That stunt right there, we just watched it. Although, you really couldn't tell. that The Sun Devil did a good job yeah, of disguising that it wasn't him. Pretty seamless. In a front shot like that, yeah. They yeah. could have shot that from the side, low angle. Yeah. and, and yeah, But it was a direct anybody. on and... Maybe, I guess the stuntman just looks so much like him. Because again, <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not talking Brad Pitt here. We're talking Reggie Bannister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's an everyman uh, type. You know, you don't, you don't need that Brad Pitt look uh, to get a stunt double. Uh, the scene. Oh, speaking of Sam Raimi, the cameo of his name or his name shows up. There's a scene where one of the tall man's henchmen is smashing bone fragments with a hammer uh, to be put in an urn with the other ashes. The cremated remains are funneled into a bag, and the bag is labeled Mr. Sam Raimi. You can't miss it. It's the camera, it doesn't focus on it, but it lingers on it enough for you to read the name on it. And it's Sam Raimi. But he did show, uh, Sam actually showed up while they were shooting a couple times because apparently him and Coscarelli are friends. And you can really kind of tell just based on their directing styles. Because uh, both of them made, were making their movies that they're known for around the same time. So, which is pretty cool. Oh, here we go. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the casting of Jane Legros had a conflicted effect on the cast members. Legros, uh, just so, some background, he was the only not returning one from the main cast, aside from uh, the brother Jody, but he comes back in the other sequels. But for this direct sequel, which again, it's made nearly, uh, or, uh, nearly nine years after the original, uh, they didn't get the original mic back, uh, but he and uh, Legros stated that he enjoyed his time on the production, and they all got along well. Uh, nowadays, Don Coscarelli, Angus Grimm, and Reggie Bannister, also, except Angus Grimm because he passed away, all speak glowingly of their experience working with him. A. Michael Baldwin, that's the guy who played the original Mike that I couldn't find earlier. Uh, he appears to remain bitter about the incident. In the audio, audio commentary of Phantasm Three, he twice referred to this film as the film which shan't be named and stated in a podcast interview that he considers it a terrible movie. Hmm. Well, uh, he, I don't know if he watched part three then because well, he was doing the commentary because <laughs> three is bad. It's, again, still enjoyable if you like what this series has to offer, but 3 is the one where it gets, it go, it's, it's the third one, it goes Army of Darkness. It's really, really silly. There's a, a chick that shows up with nunchucks uh, fighting off the balls, the spheres. So uh, it gets funny. It, it, goes, it goes full camp uh, in 3. 4 tries to bring it back a bit, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, the new and destructive weapons of the, uh, the Silver, Sphere, Silver Spheres seem to be heavily inspired by a short star, story, if I could talk, entitled Second Variety, which is a Philip K. Dick story, which is also the basis of a film I've recommended before on the podcast starring Robocop himself, Peter Weller, Screamers. Uh, although it's in the 90s, we won't be reviewing it, so sorry about that. Have to wait for the 90s revisited podcast. Uh, but the said story features a lethal type of small robots known as claws and literally described as, quote, a churning sphere of blades and metal that attack from ambush, spinning, creeping, shaking themselves up suddenly from the gray ash and darting towards any warm body, which 
is exactly what the spheres do. And especially the Rambo sphere in this one. Burning its burning through walls with its laser beam and drilling <laughs> through people. <laughs> as I mentioned before, the crew jokingly referred to the gold ball in this one as the Rambo sphere. Uh, the at a, after a time, uh, <coughs> excuse me, a time lapse of approximately ten years, the project of a sequel, Phantasm, Phantasm, which was made in '79, was green lighted and got financed by Universal Pictures, mainly because one of the main executives at the studio was a big fan of horror movies, as well as being Don Coscarelli's former attorney. So mm-hmm. hey, uh, why don't you bring back that Phantasm movie? Because horror movies are really big right now. Okay, sure. <laughs> excuse me, but also Coscarelli, like he didn't want to make a sequel for the longest time anyway, which explains the, the huge gap to begin with, simply because he couldn't think of an idea. And, you know, I think maybe he should have stopped after this one. Well, you know, when an attorney decides what movies people should watch. Yeah. Wait, he was right on this one because <laughs> this one's great. Right. Uh, and this is, I thought this was hilarious. We talked last week, I think, in the Back to the Future segment that Full House was premiering around the time of, I think, Hellraiser, or it was Child's Play. It was one of the ones we re- recorded uh, last time, one of the previous episodes, I should say. Uh, in the flashback scene at the beginning of this one, Young Mike is played by none other than Aunt Becky herself, Lori Laughlin, mm. which, of course, you can never see because they, you can't have her face the camera. Yeah. So in Reggie, all the new footage for this one that's shown with Reggie carrying Mike, it's Aunt Becky. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Score-wise, I would give this one to... De- uh, as a kid, I, lo- like, I really liked it, enjoyed it. I remembered so many scenes of it that just stayed with me because of what I was seeing at mm. that young age. As a kid, you know, I would have given it probably an eight or so. Uh, nowadays, as a film, as as a standalone film, I'd say it's a 6.5, which is, in IMDb terms especially, like, that's one, you know, it's worth a watch. Uh, if you like horror movies, I recommend it just uh, to watch, period. Uh, if you like the Phantasm series, although apparently one of the main actors from the other four hates it, I still think it's probably one of the more enjoyable. Uh, but, uh, I forgot where I was going, but... uh. It's, and it's, but if you are an Evil Dead fan, I really think you'll love this film. If you haven't seen the series, watch the first three. The fourth one, the fourth one, in a sense, is genius because they actually use deleted scenes from the first one to tie up some of the story in part four, which I don't think that's ever been done. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I, in terms of part four, I think that as a directing choice, like, hey, I've got these deleted scenes. I can tie these into what's happening in this one. And it's throwing back to the original. Because as I'm watching part four, I'm like, this is, half of this movie's recycled footage from the first one. <laughs> but it's not. It's actually deleted. And I was like, wait, I don't remember that. But it's actually deleted scenes that build the relationship between Mike and Reggie. So it's actually, it's not, you know, as, f- it's a, it's almost a, I hate to say it's, it's kind of, it's pretty boring. They throw some action in there, you know, to spice it up. But, uh. In terms of the directing and the structuring of it, it's pretty ingenious based on the fact they're like how we incorporated these deleted scenes to inc- to uh, change the story up or to to make the to mold the story into this one and to tie it back to the first one because at that time they thought it was gonna be the last one, but then they have Ravager that came out this year. So and uh, if you want to stream it, uh, Ravager it was a big because they re-released Phantasm the original in 4K and along to coincide with the release of Ravager. So it's a good time to be a Phantasm fan. Yeah. And also, Star Wars fans, here's a little thing for you in case you don't know it. Captain Phasma from Force Awakens, that's because she is she has her chrome look and her name because J.J. Abrams is a huge fan of Phantasm. <laughs> so she's Captain Phasma for Phantasm, and the silver uh, is because of the ball. And the 4K nice. restoration of the original Phantasm was, I think Abrams had something to do with that. Like he helped produce that or do that because Phantasm is one of his favorite films. 
There you go. So there, yep, exactly. Uh, in the real world, uh, July eighth, nineteen eighty eight, two days before Phantasm two graced theaters, uh, the first. Actually, I think we actually had this Back to the Future or this in the real world done before as well because I remember this. Uh, anyway, so something else released close to this proximity. Uh, or let me rephrase this. This was the only no- really notable event that occurred in a proximity of several movies that we've done. <laughs> That'd be a better way to put it. Yeah. On July 6, 1988, the first incident of reported medical waste on the beaches of the greater New York area, including hypodermic, der- hypodermic needles and syringes possibly infected with the AIDS virus, washes ashore on Long Island. Subsequent medical waste discoveries on the beaches in Coney Island, Brooklyn, and in Monmouth County, New Jersey, forced the closure of numerous New York area beaches in the middle of one of the hottest summers on record in the American Northwest. So just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, a little syringe <laughs> floating towards a child. Uh, yeah, so that Damn place pricks. is... <laughs> I see what you did there. And I, like joke. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Back to the Future, as we're doing this week. Uh, first of all, the actual Back to the Future, if you're not watching Westworld on HBO, watch it. You know my lo- If you're a listener mm. of this podcast, you know I love Blade Runner. Westworld is phenomenal. So far... Stay good, Westworld, <laughs> please. Just the, the first episode of Westworld is better than the original movie. Wow. Bar none. Like, if that was just a... They could have made just that first episode a movie and have it open-ended like it is for the rest of the series, and I would have been like, this is fantastic. Yeah. I need a sequel. And it's a TV show. So, again, knocking on wood that it stays consistent, but uh, it is fantastic. Absolutely. It's my favorite show right now. But that's currently on. Not... Walking Dead's coming back, but this is, this is fresh. This is new. Yeah. And... If you've watched the original Westworld, well, I think I, I mentioned it. Actually, I actually might have talked about it a previous week. Uh, I didn't have time with all the life happenings to listen to the past two to make sure I don't repeat myself. But uh, like that was a movie that it, it could have had a remake movie, mm-hmm. but now it's a TV show we're going to get at least seven more episodes out of because it's on episode three at the, time of this, at the time of this recording. So just keep it up. Please keep <laughs> it up. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's Blade Runner-esque and so much. And it's, it's, it's smart, intelligent sci-fi. It's not fucking Transformers. <laughs> and by well, P- JJ's buying that one, too. That what? bad robot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. oh, Westworld, yeah. Yeah, Westworld. Speak, yeah, he, like, again, I never watched Lost. Or I've, seen a couple, I've seen a couple episodes of Lost, but it's one of those things, like, mm-hmm. I know I have to watch a lot of it to get it. All right. And I've already had, like, big things. Like, I've already had ending, been privy to ending discussions and all that, so it's really, like... There's other things that I, I have that haven't been spoiled that I could watch. The better use of my time. Yeah. Because let's face it, we all have a limited time on this earth. So if I already know what happens in Lost, I can I appreciate it for what the people who like it mm-hmm. have told me. Like, you know, that's awesome. I think that sounds fantastic, but I don't have the time yeah. to watch it. You've told me and like the fact that it rounded uh, ended up like that, blah, 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 blah. That's enough for me. Mm. But anyway, uh, back to the future talk uh, in terms of a Halloween horror, talking about the Phantasm series. Again, the first one, the original 1979, uh, budget of only 300000 However, it made nearly $12 million. So, hugely profitable. Mm-hmm. Surprised that in 1980, Phantasm II didn't happen because of $300,000 investment, $12 million return. Why didn't you make a sequel immediately? Especially in the decade of Freddy and Jason. However, we would have to wait till 1988 for Phantasm II, which again, $3 million budget. However, it only made 7.2, probably because they waited nearly 10 years to make a sequel. Mm. Strike while the iron is hot. Always. I'm sure if they would have made a sequel within a couple years, they could have at least made that same budget or most likely definitely more based on the budget of the original. 
Uh, three followed uh, in 1994, and it had a $2.5 million budget. However, it didn't go to theaters. Actually, let me rephrase that. I don't know if it made it to theaters or not. I don't think it did. However, uh, there is no United States box. I've mentioned this because there is no United States box office for that four or five. Uh, there is simply foreign, which is the apparently three only made the budget of the original in the foreign market, according to Wikipedia. Uh, no information except budget on part four, which was only made for 650000 So you know why it was made for that much, because you had a <laughs> 2.5 million investment that you obviously didn't scratch the surface on the return for part three. So when they did make four, six, uh, 650000 uh, And of course, Ravager came out this year. Uh, four came out in 98, by the way, four years after three. I guess they thought, we, if we got to make something else, then maybe try to make some money back on the cheap. Don't know if they did because I can't. I don't have that information on Wikipedia. But anyway, uh, Ravager came out this year. Direct to video. Uh, uh, excuse me, as we mentioned, talked about last time, Jesse. Video on demand. Uh, you know, used to be direct to video and then direct to DVD. Now it's VOD. So as a franchise, the total of all five, the, the total to make all five Phantasm f- uh, films was six point four million. However, as a franchise, now they all raked in a total of nineteen point two. So, in total, this franchise made its money back. However, uh, you know, it got subsequently less and less profitable. So, I mean, basically, the, the, only the first two made money. Uh, John says, are you guys watching baseball? My family are big Dodger fans. Uh, <laughs> Jesse's response, it's on the live feed. You have to watch that. If you want to. But, yeah. uh, I, John, you've had to have heard, I imagine, I hate baseball. Yeah. <laughs> We've had tirades on that. Yeah. Before, so unfortunately, no, my friend. But hey, if you you like it, that's awesome. Not my cup of tea. I would, you know, my hell would be watching. Like if I if I died on the way home, (laughs) and my my hell would be baseball. Like sitting in that stadium, having and for eternity, just watching. Oh, it's a little outside. Uh, Let's wait now five minutes before he pitches another pitch. While he decides on what to do. Yeah. Oh, look. Or what? Fun to play. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't mind playing baseball because then, yeah. like, you're you're doing something. You're involved. Yeah, don't like. I can't watch. It's like golf to me. I cannot watch it. It's too <laughs> boring. That's just my opinion, though. I mean, sure, it's, it's America's pastime. I can't argue with that. Yeah, but uh, anyway, of course, our friend Ben was watching as well, but he uh, had to go to work. But he did send me an email earlier today, just in case. So I'll go ahead and get on to that. Uh, hey guys, didn't watch Phantasm 2 or Prince of Darkness in time, so I thought I'd list my favorite horror films that I find scary or just good overall. Well, good th- good news, Ben. You got another week to watch Prince of Darkness. Uh, <laughs> I'm a huge Evil Dead fan, as I'm, as you know, Trey, which uh, we're, we kind of had like that, that lethal weapon moment on Facebook Messenger where it's like, oh, I'm an Evil Dead fan. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I got I met Bruce Campbell. I was telling him, yeah, I met Bruce Campbell. Got to sign a chainsaw. It was pretty cool. And he sends me a picture. He's got Ash tattooed on his leg. My next response was, you win. <laughs> so... Yeah, so I, Ben's a big fan, bigger than I ever hoped to be. Uh, but uh, anyway, he says, I'm a huge Evil Dead fan, but I can barely get through the original movie unless I have Bruce Campbell's commentary on. I think the remake was a lot of fun and hope they can work it into the series somehow, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's added to the extended cut when it's out any day now. You heard about that uh, extended cut. Looking forward to it, too. As far as remakes go, I like the Evil Dead remake. Uh, there are a couple of things I didn't like, but overall, it was very enjoyable. And I do like the first Evil Dead, uh, although... Bruce Campbell talking about anything over any movie makes it infinitely more enjoyable uh, as well. And the, his commentary tracks are fantastic on those films as well. I also has Ringu, the original, not The Ring, Ringu. I had to watch this during the day and still kept me on my toes. I was waiting for the jump scares, but they never came. Uh, as nor- I think 
it's pretty safe to say the Japanese original versions of these horror films, like The Ring, The Grudge, infinitely more better than the American ones. Uh, next, he says A Tale of Two Sisters, a Korean ghost film, which had me barely looking at the screen, which isn't good when you need to read subtitles. Uh, I know exactly what film you're talking about. I've never seen it. A friend of mine like kept saying, borrow it, borrow it, borrow it, but like I always had, it was one of those situations where I had too much to watch. Never got around to it, but I will certainly try to. And I know it was on Netflix for a while, so I'm not sure if it still is, so I'll have to check that out. Uh, the Baba Duke, which came out recently, and Ben says the most effective horror film I've ever watched. So effective that I don't think I can watch it again. Baba Duke was phenomenal. I really enjoyed that one as well. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes remake. Haven't watched it for a while. Never found it scary, but used to watch it with my mates a lot back in the day. I've only seen it once. Uh, I don't remember it being bad, but I don't remember it enough to really comment about it. Uh, the Nightmare. I, I recommend this one as well. It's a documentary with re with reenactments about sleep paralysis. The only time a jump scare actually had me screaming at the TV. After that, it put me on edge so much that I couldn't finish the last 20 minutes. The Nightmare is phenomenal. Uh, I myself think that I've had a couple of instances of sleep paralysis. Nothing mm -hmm. as terrifying as you see in this film or right. documentary. But that's that's what makes that film scary is that they, they're interviewing the people and then it's showing you what they see. like And it, it does it very well to where like, I was like, that's... Like, I, I completely understand like this because i've had similar experiences but never nothing that scary like for example one of my sleep paralysis things or one of my experiences i believe with sleep paralysis was the alien from the abyss like just floating over me like talking to me but i couldn't move huh but i was but it was a lucid it's like a lucid dream but you can't move so you were in your room and everything yeah like i knew i was like i didn't know if i was sleeping or what but i couldn't move and it was just sitting there floating above me i don't think i've ever had that like most people, it's believed that a lot of people, that most everybody has, but you just might not remember it. Right. Uh, that was one instance I had. I did have one instance where it was like the fearful one to where like I was sleeping and then I woke up and then I knew, like, I it's, it's hard to say like, you know, you're not, you're awake, but you can't move. That's kind of the generality of it. Yeah. But you're still like in a dream state. So you can like, it's almost like you're hallucinating in a sense because you're still active. And this is all going on like uh, like split seconds, you know, like how dreams are. Mm -hmm. But uh, this the second one that actually scared me was that to where I was sleeping on my side, and then I woke up and I couldn't move, and I just knew that there was a girl, like a, a ghost girl, like a ghost, a spirit of a little girl standing next to me, like just staring at me. Like, mm. but again, you're in a dream state, so that's the only way you know that. But I just knew, and like I couldn't move, I couldn't even like. Like, you just want to say, like, go away, go away. You just want to talk. Like, when you're, in, when you're in that state, but you can't, you can't even... It's like you think, like, oh, if I saw something, I'd scream. Like, when you're sleep paralysis, you can't do anything. Yeah. And that's what makes it even more, like... But now that I, like, now that I've had that, or, like, when I had it the second time, I was like, it's sleep paralysis. Like, it's, it's just... But it's, like, for me, at least, it's over, like... By the time I'm realizing what it is and what's happening, it's done. Hmm. And then it's like, oh, okay, that was weird. But then, like you know, and, well, maybe it has happened. I don't know. <laughs> and in fact, uh, there is. Uh, I know uh, Ben. I know you're a big music fan. There's a band called Dredge, D R E D G. They have an album called uh, El Cilio or Cilo. I'm not sure if I need to pronounce it. It's a desert. Uh, but that whole album is about sleep paralysis. The whole, uh, in addition to being a fantastic freaking album and one of my favorite albums of all, it would be on my top five list of out. Albums of all time. What was it called again? El Cilio, right there, 2002. Oh, there it is. Uh, phenomenal album. Like, my friend Jason played this album for me, like, just a couple of songs, like, ah, that's really good. Went home, then I, you know, uh, it wasn't on iTunes or anything, so I ended up... Uh, it's on YouTube. Well, there you go. You can listen to it there. Uh, but it's it's based about... The, the album's about sleep paralysis, but also, if you're staring at it, you also have to... Or it's also based on it's based on it's about sleep paralysis, but also if you're staring at the Salvador Dali picture painting, 
uh, I forget the name of it. This this abbreviation that you're looking at, that's the name of the painting. It's the one with the lady laying there with these tigers jumping out of a pomegranate and a bee flowing around. I, I used to know the name of it because I was so into, like, when I learned this album was about that, after already loving the album, just open up, you know, researching about it and enriching my own knowledge about it, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so if you're into sleep paralysis, first of all, watch the, or, or if you're interested in it, I should say, first of all, uh, oh, John says he hates baseball too. <laughs> Uh, but uh, if you've seen The Nightmare and you're interested in sleep paralysis or if you have other sleep paralysis experience of your own listen to this album like research this album it's if you like it's just fantastic music in my opinion highest possible recommendation from me personally like on my musical taste of course some people might not like it but whatever but it's fantastic it's a great album anyway uh, and then Ben uh, ends up his, uh, ends his email with uh, the thing well who doesn't love this damn right my friend just watched the new Blu-ray that came out looks God, it looks so good. The Does movie. it look as good as the new one? No, <laughs> oh, well, that CG fake ass shit. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing. Watching the thing, and they had a new, it wasn't a 4K transfer, unfortunately, it was a 2K, but it's still like, you know, overseen by Dean Cundy, the director of photography, yeah. everything. And that movie, where everything's prosthetic and on screen, mm-hmm. pretty much, in high definition, it looks even better. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know that it's fake. You sure. know, I mean, like, that's... It's a movie. The fakeness is more apparent, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. But it's still like, God, like, that still looks so good. It's not like, you, wa- you watch a Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street in high def, you see the crease in the makeup or all oh, that yeah. kind of, it's so blatant. But when you watch the thing in high definition, it is just as good looking as when you watch it on VHS. Hmm. It's, I mean, good God. Like, the bow down, John Carpenter, <laughs> Dean Cundy, Rick Baker, no, I think it was Rick Baker, I'm sorry. Uh, special effects. It wasn't Rick Baker. It was, uh, I'm sure you could look it up, but uh, I wanted to give him proper recognition. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> let me finish Ben's email and I'll give him a shout out. I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue because he did, like, he's done so much uh, special effects. But anyway, Ben Renton's his email. Those are the ones off the top of my head, but special mention to Bob from Twin Peaks. <laughs> the first time we see him in Sarah Palmer or Laura Palmer starts screaming that uh, that is quite terrifying. Oh, that reminds me of Donald Sutherland at the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is really creepy too. Uh, okay, that's all for me. Be, uh, bring on listener requests once so you can watch Hard Talk, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Amen on that, brother. So if you got, again, that's a quick segue too. If you got requests for us to do after we get through Halloween Horror Month, let us know. We'll take care of it. I need like one more, or I think I have them. I have to go back and listen to old episodes to write them down, but we'll be getting that. Pretty soon. Uh, we should just be special effects. Special Somewhere. effects? Visuals. Uh, uh, what? I don't even see. I've, once I see it, it's going to hit me. But yeah, I don't. know. It's just, uh, it has go to by, hit you first. Go back up? I mean, so the visual effects, special effects, it won't be in the art. That's, that is the, the original, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. slow. I mean, just, I'm just scanning the names. I, I should, I mean, I... <laughs> Rob Boutin, that's it. Special makeup effects creator and designer. Uh, that's, okay. the, that's his name. I couldn't think of it. Uh, Rob, Rick. Rob. So, but he's, I mean, the Bob thing is still Boutin. amazing. But uh, yeah, uh, but anyway, been uh, definitely with like Bob laughing in Twin Peaks and that scene, like that was one like, uh, you watch Twin Peaks and that happens and it's when it starts to progress into that, like especially like towards season two and everything, awesome moment. And it's funny, Excuse me, you mentioned Invasion of the Body Snatchers because I really wanted to do that one for one. Uh, I was at because I was like, I could have swore that movie was like early 80s, but it's not, it's 70s. Just missed it. 
Uh, but that ending of that film, like the remake of Invasion, the 1970s remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers is akin to John Carpenter's remake of The Thing as compared to the original. It's so much better and so good and so unnerving. Mm. Uh, especially if you haven't seen it, well, you just got it spoiled for you. But the ending, phew, it's just like, oh, God. Mm. And Sutherland kills it in that scene. But yeah, so anyway, that kind of wraps it up uh, for this episode. We'll be back next week, ending with a bang, a John Carpenter film. The master must get his due as we talk about his classic, in my opinion, and his second film in his Apocalypse trilogy, Prince of Darkness, which uh, I don't think it's on YouTube or anything. Uh, there is a fantastic Blu-ray out by uh, Shout Factory or their subsequent or their subsidiary Scream Factory for Prince of Darkness. That film, as it looks like it was made yesterday on the Blu-ray, fan, phenomenal, fantastic transfer on that. Crystal clear, uh, looks better than it's ever looked. Uh, pro- well, I should say it looks as good as it did when it first played on, in, the, in the theater. Uh, so that's one that if you haven't seen, I highly recommend it. Uh, spoiler for next week. I mean, first of all, it's a John Carpenter film. You know what my opinion is going to be on it anyway, because I'm a total Carpenter fanboy, but for the right reasons, because he makes good movies. Mm-hmm. Or especially in the 80s. But uh, yeah, so check that out. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, I think it's it's an underrated classic and one that's, especially in his catalog, one that tends to get overlooked. Because, I mean, again, it's his, I think it came out after Big Trouble and also after The Thing. You know, so usually, when, you know, of course, Carpenter, you got, when you have stuff like Halloween, The Thing, The Fog even, you know, uh, his uh, catalog, uh, They Live, all that kind of stuff. You know, Prince of Darkness. Oh, Carpenter did that. I've never even seen that. You know, but uh, phenomenal, fantastic. In a very, as we'll get into more next week, because I'm getting a little ahead of myself here with you guys. <laughs> uh, but a very unique horror film. It's not a traditional horror film, and we'll talk all about that next week. Unfortunately, it will be the finale of Halloween Horror Month. But hey, yep. there's always next year. Sure. So, but until next time, everybody. Everybody who's listening in their car or on their during their workout or whatever they're doing at work, and to our good friends watching on Facebook Live. See you next time. And I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.